Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Hey, give them a hand. That was a great, great job. Man. Thank you, guys. You know, one of the things that I, that I hope you appreciate, really, there's a couple things. Uh, one is there are so many gifted and talented people that are a part of making this a great, great weekend. That is no small thing. Please don't take that for granted. That is an awesome thing that you guys get to experience. And so I hope you get to express that uh, to folks as you appreciate things that they do. The other thing I wanted to say, and even more than that, as, as great as it is that uh, there's so many talented folks here at the ranch, there are some incredible folks that came with y'all, that brought you, your leaders, who love you and pray for you and spend time with you and long for you and, and love you and want to be here with you. And I hope that you guys will appreciate them so much because they love you and do a great job in being with you. So I hope you appreciate them as well. Let me recap a little bit on where we've been as we've been talking about one family. And we started last night saying that Almighty God graciously invites us through Jesus Christ to be a part of his family. And then he wants us to live in such a way that we show the whole world what that wonderful family is like. And then he also wants us to be able to invite other people to be a part of that family. And so we started last night looking at Hosea, the Old Testament prophet, and we saw this incredible call that God gave him to illustrate in real tangible life the very message that he was supposed to preach to the people God called him to. And the first part of that message we talked about last night is I gave, God gave his people a new life, life in particular. And Hosea gave his wife, Gomer, a new start because God called him to do that. And he did. But then we talked this morning and looking at Gomer's life, we saw that she returned to idolatry, to the, the lovers of the past. And that was an illustration. We can't hate on her or be judgmental about her because that was an illustration of what God's people were doing to God. It's an illustration, not just of what God's people were doing back then to God, but it's an illustration for us of what we do to God, of how we return to the very things that he freed us from. That was represented so well up here in the, in the play. Well, tonight, this morning was, was really a lot of the bad news, but tonight we get to talk about the good news that goes along with that and that God promises to redeem. That means to buy back, to pay the cost for us to be free and to be in this one family. Not only in spite of what, we, what we've done, he knows what we've done. And he pays the price for what we've done so that we can be in that family. So let's pray and then we're going to jump in to the message tonight. Father, thank you again for all the many ways that you've communicated your truth to us. Lord, we praise you and thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, it's living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. Which, Lord, the good news of that means that you're able to get beneath the surface with us. You're able to get to our hearts and our thoughts, our attitudes, our minds. So we pray that you do that through your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit. 
And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And all everyone said, amen. You know, there's a story I was just thinking about of a loving father who had given his son these uh, rules, if you will, just because he loves him and he wanted him to have life. But the son decided that he knew what was better than his dad did. And so he decided to go his own way. Does that sound familiar? And then he got in a lot of trouble because of that. And so what would the father do? Would the father just say, well, you did it, go ahead. But in that story, I don't know if you all know it. It's called Finding Nemo. The loving father decides to pursue his son at every cost. Do you remember how that story begins? The father has said, Nemo, don't go and touch the boat, right? You remember that? Have you seen that? And then he does. But when he's there, he gets captured and taken far, far away. And he's in a place where he's not going to be able to save himself because he is in the clutches of an evil one. Darla. A fate worse than death. And so unless there's someone who comes from the outside to bring deliverance, he, Nemo is in a lot of trouble. He is a goner. Well, just then there's a father who decides he's not going to give up on his son. Even though his son had disobeyed the orders at the beginning and gotten himself in the trouble, the father says, this is my son. And so he goes to great cost, and it ends up getting known throughout all the ocean about this father that is going to these incredible lengths to go find his lost son. And so they talk in the movie about how there's sharks that come after him, but the father doesn't stop there. He goes on. He almost gets blown up swimming around through mines, but he continues to find his lost son. He and his wonderful friend Dory are swimming through jellyfish and all these other things. Why? Risking their own lives so that they can find this lost son. And then he ends up getting swallowed by a whale, not stopping even then, who spits him out so that he can find his lost son. And eventually he does. They're reunited. And what's really cool is they end up seeing all these other people in trouble. And so they unite together to go and bring deliverance to the other people around them. What an amazing picture of the family that we're called to be a part of. We have a loving father who has gone to the utmost expense to bring us back into this family. And he brings us back to this family, not just so we can enjoy it for ourselves, but so we can be a part of this family and we can invite others to be a part of that family and we can love one another in this one family. And so tonight, what we're talking about is I'll redeem. Well, what did that mean in Hosea's life? If we go to Hosea chapter 3 in the Bible, here's what God tells Hosea to do. You remember what happened this morning. You remember all of that. Well, here, after all of that, this is what God tells him to do. The Lord said to me, go, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. And so the Israelites were an illustration, or excuse me, Gomer was an illustration of the Israelites. That's the same thing that they were doing to God. 
And just as God was saying, listen, Hosea, I want you to go show your love to your wife. What is that an illustration of? It's of God who's going to show his love to his unfaithful people again so they can be one family. Now that also, it comes with a cost. Now here in the, in the chapter, Gomer, Hosea's wife, has not only been with another man, she's become a slave to someone else. And so God tells Hosea to go and you pay the cost to set her free. So it says, I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. Do you know what a lethic is? I don't either. That's a wild thing. You might know. We can talk about that later. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way toward you. God is saying, I'm going to be faithful to you. I've always been faithful to you, and now I'm calling you to be faithful to me. And then this part is interesting. It says, the Israelites will live many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones. Those are some of the things that, <clears throat> excuse me, that they would go to to worship when they're worshiping the other gods. And so he's saying, I'm buying you back. You're not going back to those things anymore. Afterward, the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God. And then here's a part that's really interesting. And then it says, can you see that name? David, their king. Now, why is that interesting? Because David lived hundreds of years before he wrote this. So what does God mean by saying that they're going to go back and David's going to be their king? They will come trembling to the Lord until his blessings in the last days. That is one of the things that the prophets did is they would foretell things that God would tell them about the future. This David that it's talking about is an ancestor of David who's about to come hundreds of years later, and that's Jesus Christ. So all the way back in Hosea, and they probably didn't even understand as much as we do now, but God was sending somebody who's going to make all things right, and he kept his promise. Now, I mentioned earlier that in order to redeem, there's a cost to that. And I have a couple of things I want to share with you to illustrate that. Now, back during the, uh, the 19th century, there was a band of revolutionaries in Russia who uh, had, had gotten together and they'd, they'd formed kind of their own um, um, people group as they had defected from the people that were over them. Well, it was interesting. As they've gathered together, they found out that somebody in their group started to steal food. And so think about it. They're this group and they've banded together by themselves. They don't have a lot of anything. And so it's very important that nobody steals the food so they can make sure that everybody gets some. But they find out that somebody's stealing the food. Well, their ruler is a guy named Shemel. And Shemel says, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pass a law. Anyone caught stealing bread will get lashed with 40 lashes. That means they're going to get their arms tied around a post and they're going to get whipped 40 times with a whip. And so for a while, the stealing stopped, right? But then it starts back up again. And then one day, Shemel's men come, and they say, we found the person who's guilty of stealing the food. And Shemel says, bring them to me. And they bring the person there. And to his horror, the person who's been stealing the food 
is Shemel's mother. And they bring her before him. And he says, I need some time to decide what I'm going to do. Now put yourself in his shoes. Because he's the ruler, right? And so he's, he's got to reign righteously. He said the penalty for stealing the bread is 40 lashes. It must be paid. But then on the other hand, he loves his mother. He doesn't want to see her get one lash, much less 40. And so he loves her. And so what is he going to do? He's trying to figure out, how can I hold these things together? And so the next day, he comes, bold, comes forward and says, I have made a decision. And I have decided that the penalty must be paid. And so what Shemel did was took off his own shirt and had his hands tied around the post. And he took the 40 lashes on his back for his mother. Was the penalty paid? Yes, the 40 lashes. But he took the penalty upon himself. Why? Because he loved his mother. And that was the cost he was willing to pay to bring her back into the one family. Now, you know what? That's a small illustration of what Almighty God has done with you and I. In the Bible, we looked at this verse a little bit earlier today. In Romans 6, it says, the wages of sin is death. That was the first part of it, right? What we earn, what we deserve because of our sin is death. But then the second part of the verse, it says the gift of God. What do you do to earn a gift? Nothing. Why does somebody give you a gift? Because they love you. And it says here, the gift of God is eternal life. In Jesus Christ. Another verse that we looked at this morning was from Isaiah 53. It said, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way. We saw that this morning. But then the second part of that verse says, the Lord has laid on him, the person who was to come, the greater David, Jesus Christ. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He would take the penalty that we deserve upon himself so that we could be in this one family again and we can invite others to be in that family. So the last story I want to look at is from the Gospels. Just looking at how he did that. And you say, why, do I, why are we looking at this story? Because you're like, man, we, we, we're from churches. We know this story already. But, but listen, this isn't just the ABCs of the Christian life. This story is the A through Z. It is the grid that we see all of life through. That if you ever get to a point where you're forgetting what God did in sending his son to die for you, what happens? You all of a sudden forget who you are and how you became who you are. Well, here's a story. This is taking place after Jesus has been falsely accused and he's been spit upon and beaten and arrested. And now he's brought before Pontius Pilate to be sentenced to die. And so here's what happened. It says, it was the custom at the festival to release a prisoner whom uh, the people requested. A man called Barabbas was in prison with the insurrectionists. That's people who start riots. Who had committed murder in the uprising. The crowd came up and they asked Pilate to do for them what he usually did. 
Now, I don't know if Barabbas looked like that, but that was from a movie or something, and that was how he was portrayed. And so here you have Barabbas and Jesus, right? Which one is guilty? Barabbas, which one deserves the penalty? Barabbas, which one is innocent? Jesus. So what happens? Don't, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews, asked Pilate. And Pilate knows what's going on. He says, knowing that it was out of self-interest, that the chief priest had handed Jesus over to him. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release Barabbas instead, the one who's guilty. And so he's there before the crowd. Do you want me to release Jesus or Barabbas? What shall I do with the one that you call the king of the Jews? Pilate asked him. Crucify him, they asked. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him, crucify him. So they release Barabbas. There's them shouting. And they sentence Jesus to be crucified. And then look at this. You want to look for a verse in the Bible that talks about peer pressure? Here it is in Mark chapter 15. And that's verse 15. I wrote the wrong verses up there. But Mark 15, verse 15, it says, wanting to satisfy the crowd. Isn't that, giving, isn't that peer pressure? Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. He had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. And so Barabbas goes free. And Jesus goes to the cross to die between two thieves. Now, I want you to imagine something with me. I want you to imagine that you were in Barabbas' shoes. And I want you to imagine, let's say you're in a dungeon like that. And you hear the people outside. And you know that there's you and Jesus. And they're going to release one person and one person's going to die. And you know you're the guilty one. But then all you can't hear exactly what's going on, but you can hear the crowd shouting a couple of things. First of all, you hear them shouting, Barabbas, Barabbas, right? Because remember, he says, which one do you want me to release to you? But you hear them shouting your name, Barabbas, Barabbas. And then the next thing you hear them shouting, crucify him, crucify him. What are you going to be thinking? I'm in trouble, that's right. I'm in trouble. But if you're really honest, you know that you're the one who deserves it and Jesus is the one who doesn't. And then I want you to imagine that you hear the guards come down and you can hear their keys dangling against their belt as they come to unlock the gate to the prison doors. And I want you to imagine that they come and they unlock the gate And then they come over to you and they unlock the chains on your hands and and the chains on your feet. And they say to you, you're free to go. And you say, I'm excited about that, but how is it that I'm free to go? And I want you to imagine the guard saying to you, because Jesus is taking your place. Now, when I said a few minutes ago, I said, I want you to imagine that you're in Barabbas' shoes, the truth of the matter is you don't have to imagine because you and I are in Barabbas' shoes. Jesus took our place. 
on the cross. He died for us. He died for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Now, I don't know what Barabbas did from that point on. He could have gone back to his life of crime or it could have changed his life. I don't know. But what about you and I? What will we do with what God has done for us through his son, Jesus, to bring us back into this one family? The great news about Jesus is death couldn't conquer him. He conquered sin and Satan and death itself. And three days later, he rose from the dead. What did that mean? It means sin is paid for and we can have new life through faith in him. Now, a couple of people were, were asking me last night, they said, what was it about um, this time at Ocean City that you were sharing last night? What was it that, that changed you? What was it that meant something to you? And, and it reminded me to tell you and share that with you a little bit. And it's actually, it's really simple, right? You guys have probably heard it before. But it hit me in a way that I never had gotten my whole life. I grew up in church. But it hit me in a way that made sense. That I saw that Jesus died not just in general, but he died for me. So that I could know him, so that I could know God. And I remember this illustration. Right? They showed us, and that was kind of the predicament that we spelled out this morning. On the one side is us. And on the other side is God. And right in the middle is what? Death. And I want you to imagine that there's no way that we can jump in and of ourselves. There's no way that we can work to get across to the other side to God. There's nothing for us to do that we can do. And so God has done something. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and took and rose from the dead and took death itself, it made a way, it made it possible for us to be able to know God. Not just be a church member, not just be a good person or a nice person, but a person in relationship with Almighty God through Jesus Christ. I know they're just stick figures, but use your imagination. And you can imagine the person can cross from that side to the other side, to being with God. And they have to put faith in what it is that, that's bridging the gap there in the middle. And that is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when I was on that weekend, I'm a pastor's kid, actually. And I knew those stories my whole life. But somehow it clicked. And I pray that maybe it will for you, for some of you who've come here this weekend, that it clicked that, you know what, this isn't just something that's out there. I can know him for myself. Here's a couple of verses I want to share with you before we end. And I share this with you because I don't know about you, but sometimes in our Christian lives, we kind of measure it and we think, man, if I had a really good day, God loves me more today. But then if I have a terrible day, that means God doesn't love me anymore. I don't know if you guys ever struggle with anything like that. But these are some verses that tell us the truth all the time, no matter how we feel. The first one, it's, it's in 1 John chapter 5. It said, this is the testimony 
that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Maybe there's some of you have come here this weekend and you've been around. Maybe you've been around church your whole life, but you've not yet known God in a relationship. Well, you can through faith in Jesus Christ, a loving, growing relationship. That's what God wants with you so you can be a part of his family. And then maybe there's some of us that have come, and, and we know God, right? We've been walking with God, but there's times that we struggle. And I want to tell you something that means a lot to me. This is a verse from Romans chapter 8, or two verses. And these mean the world to me, and maybe they'll mean something to you. It says the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who comes to live inside of us when we know Jesus. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Remember, we sang about that. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. By him we cry, Abba, Father, which means Daddy. Daddy, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, there are some passages in the Bible. There's one where Jesus is baptized, and there's a voice from heaven that speaks, and it says, this is my beloved son. With him, I'm well pleased. Well, do you know what's true about you through Jesus Christ? Is that when God looks at you, he says, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. With you, I am well pleased. How many of us have longed to hear words of love from somebody that we respect and honor. Well, the words from Almighty God are that you are my beloved child through Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of God lives within us to remind us of that. You know, I was talking with John yesterday about the kids we adopted. And, and we actually, sometimes I forget that, that they're adopted. I don't think of them. They're just my kids. I don't think about them any differently. But one of the things I notice is that sometimes my adopted kids worry about whether they're loved more than my biological kids do. And so they need to be reminded. And I thought, that's a whole lot like me. Because we're children of God, but sometimes I forget. And the Holy Spirit is there to remind us. Not only are we a part of this family, but God is glad to have us in that family. We are loved by God. And so how do you respond to that? How do you respond to the way that God has loved you, to what he's done to bring you in his family? There's one more thing I want to do before we end um, and play. I don't know if you guys know who Flame is. Flame is a, another, this is a Christian hip-hop artist. He's from St. Louis, actually. Um, but there's a video that he has here, and, uh, and I think it speaks really well to uh, to where we are and who we are and, and what God has called us to be. So let's go ahead and play that, and then we'll be done. Where we're going to go from here, um, after I close this in prayer, is we're going to have some time uh, back in our small groups. And so after we're done, 
um, get with find your leaders really quickly, and then you'll be in small groups until 9.30, is that right? Where we'll meet in the gym or over here for dodgeball or the game show night in here. But there's some questions from tonight I want you to think about and talk about together. One is put yourself in the, the shoes of Hosea's wife. And how do you think she felt about being redeemed and brought back from slavery, even after all that she'd done? Second, how do you respond to what God has done to bring you in his family? And then lastly, what are some places or where are some places in your life where you might want to start over like the song was talking about? All right, there are some questions there in the back on that back table for the leaders. Let me close this in prayer and then we'll be done. Lord, we thank you for what you've done to redeem us. Lord, we've been bought not with perishable things uh, like gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish and defect. And so, Lord, let us take that in so it changes us, not just one time, but every single day. Lord, thank you for what you've done to bring us into your family. Help us understand what it's like to live as your family members and help us invite others to be a part of this great family. Guide us in this time that we have now. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.